You are listening to Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, with your host, Randy Sutton. Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, here on the America Out Loud Network. We have, um, this is going to be kind of a special show in that we're foregoing a guest today because I'm going to talk about um, something that is vitally important to this nation. So let's get into it. Before we get into the briefing room where we're going to talk about some of the stories of the day, I want to talk to you about the coming election. This is something that I debated discussing with you but it's too important not to. Um, First of all, let me be very clear. I am neither a D nor an R. I'm an independent. Uh, I uh, I owe allegiance to no party. I vote or I uh, consider voting based on what I hear and what I see from a perspective of simply someone who um, is uh, is passionate about America and, and what the American values are to me. Those values, uh, when I think of them, are patriotism. They are kindness. They're compassion. They are standing up for the little guy. It's, it's something that, that I, um, I deeply believe in, uh, our country, and the past that we have had, uh, and the future that we do have. And that's why I think that I had to, I had to weigh in on this current presidential race. As you know, as a commentator and as a a 34-year police veteran, I look at what has been happening across America, and I find it heartbreaking to see how the war on cops has uh, consumed America, how we have seen more officers die in the line of duty this year than in in uh, any year past for quite a while. I, I understand the ramifications. I understand um, where we are in this country, the division that, uh, that is present here. Um, much of this is all based on a, on a narrative, a false narrative of law enforcement officers across America being racist killers. Um, it isn't true. It simply is not true. And as someone who literally has spent my entire adult life behind a badge and uh, know literally thousands of men and women who have served and do serve, um, I think I, I have a really good handle on what lies behind that badge, and that is the heart of these men and women. The reality is this, that these, these people who decide to wear that badge, who decide to take that oath of office and go out and serve their communities, do so out of a feeling of patriotism, uh, belief in in the uh, importance of their job, and um, their reality is that they know that they are facing danger quite literally every single time that they put that badge on. Um, They're not even safe in their homes anymore. There have been so many attacks on law enforcement um, uh, through, uh, you know, doxing and and getting their addresses, uh, following them from the stations, ambushing them. So not even 
they're not even just in danger when they're on duty. They're in danger 24-7, and so are their families. Why? Because there's been a, uh, a movement uh, made against them that is based on the false narrative uh, that I just discussed, that they are racist killers uh, bent on, on destroying and, and uh, uh, attacking uh, minorities. You know, this is, this is such a, a, a passionate subject for me because I know this. The men and women who are actually putting their lives on the line for the people in the minority communities aren't the politicians. They aren't the people marching in the streets calling for the deaths of the police. They are the police. And, and officers are giving their lives to protect the very communities they are being accused of, of uh, suppressing and, and uh, um, oppressing. So what we have is we have a country that is incredibly divided. Now, I bring all this up because as we move forward to this election, uh, th there, there couldn't be a clearer situation of knowing who's on whose side. Okay? You know, the other, the other day, um, Joe Biden did a... Uh, a, a media blast where he was being interviewed. And he said one of the most ludicrous, ridiculous comments about policing. He's, he's been negative towards law enforcement uh, for as long as I can remember. But the other day he came out with, with something that made him look so idiotic. And in, in the eyes of a, of a, of a cop, just, yeah, just, I, I had to just shake my head and go, where's, where's he? Where is he coming from when he talked about how the police need to be, learn how to de-escalate and shoot someone in the leg instead of shooting to kill? He went on and on. And, and, and the statement was, was so incredibly dumb. <laughs> I, can't, I mean, I, I don't really even know how best to describe it. Um, police don't shoot to kill. Police shoot to stop. And in order to do that, they're, they're trying to stop someone from, from either uh, killing them or killing someone else or uh, prevent them from, um, uh, from you know, committing a grievous act. They don't shoot at a leg or an arm because it's hard enough to hit a human being who is not standing still. And they're, believe me, during a shooting, they're not standing still. So if, if you shoot at, at an extremity, you're, the chances are you're not going to hit them. And even if you do hit them, a deadly threat is still a deadly threat. Um, I've seen people sustain uh, literally um, life-ending fatal wounds and still be able to fire their own weapon for minutes. And this is, this is one of the things that um, is very... Let me let me put it this way. Um, I think maybe law enforcement has dropped the ball in trying to explain the true issues of police use of force. But when a presidential candidate comes out with something as ludicrous as a statement like that, what that tells me is he's made no effort to find out the truth.
And that scares me more than anything. If you don't care enough to even ask the police uh, an elementary question like that, why, why do you shoot at center mass? That means it, it's not important to you. So as this country is as divided as it is, we have a presidential candidate who fans the flames of, of hate and division by making comments like that and insulting, demeaning law enforcement, dehumanizing law enforcement. Um, now, the other candidate, President Trump, um, has never wavered in his support of law enforcement officers. Um, even before he became the president, uh, I know many officers who worked uh, alongside his security detail and, and in other capacities. And for decades, he has treated them with respect and dignity as human beings. And the same thing as he has been president. It was he who uh, changed the Obama-Biden rule concerning um, uh, the reissuance of a certain military hardware like uh, peacekeeper uh, vehicles, which are armored vehicles that help to extricate victims from um, from uh, gunfire. Um, under the Obama-Biden administration, that was ended. And this is this is life-saving equipment that that uh, uh, law enforcement needs in order to safeguard their own lives and the lives of citizens. Um, Obama-Biden administration, they ended it. Uh, President Trump, uh, like the first week in office, he brought it back because he was attuned to the uh, the effectiveness of of this type of uh, this type of uh, equipment. Um, he's shown nothing but support for the American law enforcement officer, um, and so as as someone who is attuned to the law enforcement community, the problems, the issues, um, the realities of of uh, of their plight. The decision is really clear for me, and that is that uh, we need to support President Trump. Um, so that's that's um, about as political as I'm going to get, but that's the reality as I see it. And um, uh, while I did debate whether or not I should bring this up on this show, um, I believe that it is the right thing to do. So uh, that's it from my opinion. And now you're going to hear some of my other opinions as we go into the briefing room. Welcome to the briefing room here on the Voice of American Law Enforcement. During uh, this portion of our program, we talk about some of the headlines that are in the news and what they really mean when it comes down to law enforcement. Uh, this is a, a story out of Philadelphia. Public Safety Committee votes to ban cops from using less lethal weapons at protests. The Philadelphia City Council's Public Safety Committee unanimously voted to ban the city's police force from using any form of less lethal munitions during protests, demonstrations, and let me quote this, other First Amendment activity. Um, the proposal, which was introduced by City Council Member Helen Jim, will now go to a full vote. If approved, Philadelphia law enforcement officers will be banned from using pepper spray, less lethal projectiles, tear gas, and other munitions to help quell violent demonstrations. Now, here's the statement. 
Here's the statement. We chose a public process of listening, of truth-telling, of accountability, driven by the voices and experiences of the people we serve, Jim declared in the council's press release. In banning the police use of less lethal munitions in response to demonstrations, we are answering, answering the calls of our constituents. Um, Jim touted the proposal as a way to repair trust between our residents, public officials, and police. So um, this is what uh, this is this is what she says. Residential neighborhoods are not war zones. Demonstrators are not enemy combatants. This is the first step in working with our communities to build a new model for public safety that is driven by their needs and their vision for the future. Thousands of protesters, violent rioters, setting police vehicles on fire, attacking law enforcement. The police are vastly outnumbered. The Leadership Conference Education Fund policing campaign, Director Linda Garcia wants to protect in order to ensure that all people's constitutional rights are respected. So in other words, what the uh, city leaders are saying to the police is your lives don't matter because these are the necessary tools, pepper spray, tear gas, uh, less lethal um, munitions that are used to uh, break the crowds apart. Um, there are tools out there that are now being removed from the, uh, the tool bag, the, the toolbox, if you will, of the police. So let me ask you this. Where does that leave the cops? Uh, they also don't want them to wear um, their protective gear because it's too military. So take their helmets away, take their, their, their body armor away, the, the gear that they use to protect themselves from all the projectiles and rocks and bottles that are thrown at them. And, um, and then take away all the tools that to help disperse the violent gangs or the violent crews that are rioting, looting, burning, etc. And they couch it in that type of language that basically blames the police for the violence when it is the rioters who are now have the upper hand. Um, this is going to get more and more cops hurt. This is part of the war on cops and the city leaders um, use their power, misuse their power in order to benefit political agendas and to put forth um, their own political motivations. At the same time that they do that, they endanger uh, the lives of those who are serving. And uh, uh, this is not the only city to have taken this, this tact. Um, we have also seen this in Portland and in Seattle and other cities as well. So this is one of those moments that all Americans need to understand of the, uh, of the dangers that are facing American law enforcement. And now's the time to get involved in your city council and your city and let them know that uh, 
that this type of decision making won't fly in your town. Because otherwise, what you just saw in Philadelphia is coming to a city near you. Well, let's, uh, let's talk about a few other things that are in the news. So as you know that, you know, this many, many cities have burned and rioters looted and, and set fire to police cars and businesses and smashed glass over the Breonna Taylor verdict. Now, Breonna Taylor, for those of you who have been living in a cave, was the African-American woman who was uh, shot by police during a uh, drug raid on her apartment. Now, the police had, this was in uh, Kentucky, and um, the police had a search warrant for her house, her apartment, as well as several other, because this was a larger conspiracy of narcotics uh, dealing than just one person. So they were doing several search warrants at the same time. When they went to her apartment, they uh, uh, were fired upon by, it came to find out that her boyfriend had heard the police making entry, uh, open fire through a closed door, striking a police officer, almost killing him. They returned fire, and she, Brianna Taylor, was standing right next to her boyfriend who opened fire on the police, and she was struck by the bullets and died. Now, when the information came out about this shooting, it instantly caused riots and caused unrest because misinformation was put out. That misinformation included such um, non-facts as that the officers uh, had a no-knock warrant and that they didn't knock and announce that they were the police, and therefore the uh, man who opened fire on them uh, didn't know that they were the police. So uh, that was that was the misstatement number one. Secondly, that they were in the wrong apartment. Uh, that was that came out real quick. That the cops hit the wrong apartment and gunned down this poor innocent woman in who was lying in her bed at the time. Um, another lie. There was there was just one misrepresentation after another that was brought out by the attorney for the family of Breonna Taylor, who just came out with a, a narrative that um, was was patently false. Well, the grand jury was given all of the information about the shooting. And there was protest after protest that, that the police needed to be charged with murder for for you know, gunning down this poor innocent victim that 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 you know that we had to we had to fire the police and we had to indict them and charge them with murder. Well, when the grand jury got done with their with their fact finding, they did indict one officer and one of the officers who had basically fired wildly and hit another apartment, not Breonna Taylor. So his bullets did not harm anybody, but because um, they believe that he recklessly endangered other people, they did an indictment on a separate charge for that. But nothing to do with the uh, shooting of Breonna Taylor. And then the, the public went crazy, that they had to have a, a accountability for the grand jury. Now the grand jury is, is in cahoots with the police. Well, 
and something that I I don't think I've ever seen. The uh, the um, prosecutor actually released the um, the testimony from the grand jury, what they heard, and they came to find out just a few other things. For instance, Brianna Taylor, Brianna Taylor's boyfriend, uh, including the one that she, the the first guy that that was under investigation was her previous boyfriend, and the claims were that she had hadn't anything to do with him uh, for months. Well, the surveillance that they had on her showed otherwise. They showed transactions taking place with her and her old boyfriend, whose apartment they also hit and found a bunch of dope and and uh, evidence. Um, she was part of that of that uh, investigation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it turns out that the present boyfriend, the guy who shot at the police, well, he's also a drug dealer. And at, actually, he when when the police first um, went made entry into the apartment and found her dead, and and him, you know, literally with a gun, uh, he said that she's the one that shot the police, not him. The investigation showed a lot of other a lot of other stuff as well. The the fact that uh, there was clear evidence that the officers did, in fact, announce that they were the police. And this was also uh, um, found by witnesses who testified. So there was a lot of misinformation and disinformation that was that was utilized to to um, tell a narrative that was false, that the police acted improperly, that they murdered this poor innocent woman, uh, when it turns out that none of it was true. Um, the city paid uh, a record multi-million dollar settlement to the family, and yet um, the uh, political parties uh, and, uh, and activists, they're still not satisfied, even though all of the information that came out revealed that the police acted properly throughout this investigation, except for that one officer who is facing um, uh, the charge of reckless endangerment. Uh, unfortunately, the lives of the officers involved in this were destroyed. In fact, the officer who actually was shot um, is in hiding because of the threats against him and his family. And it's doubtful whether he will be able to return to work. So who's the victim here? Who, who, who are the real victims here? Um, uh, a woman who was accidentally killed um, during a drug raid that, that involved her culpability um, and then uh, police being shot because of the actions of her boyfriend, or is it the police? I'll let you consider that, but um, there's still riots taking place to this day because of this particular topic. I talk often about the war on cops. Well, the war on cops is probably um, more prevalent uh, in the city of Portland than anywhere else in the country. 
here on uh, the Law Enforcement News Network, we will be bringing you a special report uh, on the battle for Portland that will shock you. And it's the only place you will see it will be on this network. Um, but the, the, the cops up there are fighting a system that is absolutely designed to make them victims of, of, of violence and victims of the criminal justice system that they themselves represent. Special prosecutors files charges on retired officer, looter not charged. And the police say that the grand jury did not even hear from the eyewitnesses. This is really disturbing stuff. Multnomah County District Attorney, a guy named Schmidt, recently took office. He took office on, uh, or he was elected by the people of Multnomah County, who I don't know where their heads are at, but they elected this guy on a anti-law enforcement platform. Well, he, uh, he certainly is. Uh, he has uh, refused to prosecute the people who are ravaging their city, the people who are burning and looting and stealing, tearing up their city, done millions upon millions of dollars in damages. It's his office's um, policy not to charge them. But on the words of one of those looters, uh, who claims to have been hit by uh, an undercover police car, they indicted uh, one of the Portland police officers. And the police association determined that the prosecutor purposefully withheld the testimony of eyewitnesses who contradicted every bit of the story of the uh, alleged victim. Now, I don't know what, you know, what you could, uh, how any prosecutor could possibly live with themselves for, for such malfeasance. And um, this is truly a malicious prosecution. And yet the district attorney is doubling down on his anti-law enforcement rhetoric policies and procedures while the city burns every single night law enforcement officers are attacked um, law enforcement officers are injured damages are being done i was just up there in portland uh, working on the story that i'm going to be bringing you in a special report and i've i've got to tell you it's surreal uh, portland was once a gorgeous city beautiful and now the downtown area looks like Beirut. Um, storefronts are, are all gone. They're plywood now with, with anti-police slogans written and spray painted everywhere. Um, businesses are shuttered. The uh, trash is everywhere. There's homeless encampments literally um, on every corner. There is, uh, it's lifeless. It, it looked like, well, let me explain, let me explain my vision of what I saw there. Now, you'll remember that they had some wildfires there as well. 
And uh, so I'm going to paint the picture for what I saw. This is one of the times that I was there. Imagine that description I just told you. Basically, all the storefronts are gone. The, the Just graffiti everywhere. Um, tents set up where people are living, uh, either either homeless or they're part of the protest group um, that, that are better, you know, being uh, established there. Um, and then there's no, you know, not no, there's no people, you know, pushing baby strollers or window shopping or anything because there's no windows left to shop at. And then you add that with with these with drug addicts and homeless people who are who are uh, walking around quite literally looking like zombies, and then you add the 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 mist of the fires, and it looked like something out of some surrealistic movie, uh, the the zombie apocalypse. That's what downtown Portland actually looks like now, and the only people there that are working to protect it are the Portland Police Bureau. And what does the prosecutor do? He wants, he arrests one of the cops who is arresting a looter. It is, it is stunning. It is stunning the way that, that um, I, I call this persecution by prosecution. It's outrageous what is happening there. And it's, uh, this is just another part of the war on cops. I want to talk to you about one more story before we, uh, before we say goodbye today. And that, that is the New Jersey governor. Um, I sometimes wonder who's worse, New York, California, or New Jersey. But each has a governor that is absolutely reckless with the people's lives uh, who uh, they allegedly uh, want to protect. Um, New Jersey governor Phil Murphy signed off on a bill that will release thousands of inmates early beginning the day after Election Day. Well, that's some timing for you, isn't it? <laughs> About a thousand more inmates are set to be released ahead of schedule, uh, and an additional 2,088 prisoners to walk out on November 4th. So basically, they are reducing the prison population by somewhere around 25, 20, 25% just opening the doors and releasing them and saying, have a nice day. Go back and prosper. Many of these people don't even have a place to live. And they're saying this, this is in the name of humanitarian reasons uh, for COVID. I'll tell you, COVID is being blamed for a lot of stuff. And uh, now it's being blamed for unleashing thousands of criminals back onto the streets of New Jersey. And believe me, with the uptick in violent crime in that state and in New York, that's about the last thing that the people who live there need is another 3,000 uh, criminals uh, just pushed out onto the street to victimize them once again. One of the most important things that you can do as either a a law enforcement officer, someone who supports law enforcement, is to help injured and disabled officers. How? By simply going to this website, www.thewoundedblue.org, thewoundedblue.org, 
And why should you do that? Well, first of all, because I founded the organization. Do you need any more than that, really? So this organization provides tremendous assistance and support to officers who've been injured either physically or emotionally in the line of duty. Uh, we have a phenomenal um, documentary film. If you go to Amazon.com and look at uh, The Wounded Blue, Service, Sacrifice, Betrayed. Also on uh, YouTube, if you go to our YouTube channel, Wounded Blue TV, check out our series, The Voices of the Blue. You want to do everything you can to help these men and women who sacrificed so much for their communities. Go to www.thewoundedblue.org. It looks like that unrest is growing again in America, this time in relation to another officer involved shooting in a suburb of Chicago. In the town of Waukegan, a small community outside of Chicago, um, the protests have already started demanding justice for uh, two people, Marcella Stinnett, an 18-year-old black man who was killed by police, and his girlfriend, 20-year-old Tafara Williams, who was shot by police. Now, here's the, here's the situation. That's being, um, of course, uh, put out in the media as um, a shooting of an unarmed black man. Uh, here's, the, here's the situation. Stinnett and his girlfriend, Tafara Williams, were sitting in a car um, outside of Williams' mother's house in, a, in the uh, North Chicago suburb. Now, the police got a call about a suspicious vehicle in the area. When a patrol car pulled up, uh, Williams, who was in the driver's seat, drove away and parked about a half mile south. Um, police officer, a second officer, spotted the car and got out to investigate. Now, according to police, as that officer walked up, uh, he was walking up from the rear of the car, the uh, driver, Williams, then um, uh, tried to put, she put the car in reverse and drove towards the officer. The officer opened fire and he killed Stinnett, who was in the passenger seat, and shot Williams in the chest and hand, seriously injuring her. So, here we have a, uh, um, a police officer who believes that he is in fear of getting run over and opens fire on the car. This is a, an issue that's faced a lot of different police officers. And, uh, you know, the, the reality is this. A, a car is a 3,000-pound weapon when it is directed at you. So... Um, you know, the, the, the investigation has not been completed. Some departments uh, across the country have actually changed their policies when it comes down to shooting at, a, uh, at vehicles. And this is one of those situations that's going to be really examined. Um, and, uh, and uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a... a complete investigation that needs to be done to determine you know what um, you know what tactics were utilized were they properly utilized and uh, you know I, I know one thing I I feel sorry for this police officer in this day and age and the, and the uh, the rush to judgment the mayor is doing his best to keep things calm I don't know if that's going to continue um, based on what we have seen in the past but 
this is another situation that uh, is unfolding in America. And, uh, you know, considering what we have seen in cities across America, um, we're going to have to watch this really, really carefully. Um, you know, in, in this in this day and age when defunding the police seems to be uh, in the in the minds of uh, and certainly on the lips of a lot of activists and and sycophantic uh, politicians, Louisiana is doing something a little different. They are actually putting forth a bill to penalize defunding local police. I think this is mighty interesting. Uh, three legislators um, agree that the issue of defunding the police isn't really a problem in Louisiana, but the Senate gave their approval to a measure to punish local governments for reducing law enforcement budgets. Now, isn't, isn't that something a little different. Uh, I find that fascinating uh, as as cities and different uh, city city and state governments are decrying the police and, and yelling and screaming about defunding them. Here the state legislature in one state is moving in just the opposite direction. So that's kind of interesting to watch. Um, uh, you know, Louisiana's got, got a lot of stuff happening, a lot of stuff going on. So it's it's interesting to see that a, a state legislature is making a, a move like this. I, I, I would hope, although I don't think I'm going to hold my breath, that other, uh, other state legislators look at doing the same thing. Because one thing's for sure, defunding the police has got to be one of the dumbest ideas ever created. And another... Um, positive sign, the Lancaster District Attorney, her name is Heather Adams, she came out in relation to um, her investigation and judgment on into an uh, officer-involved shooting in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Um, what had happened was, as it was a uh, reported as a, a domestic involving a uh, subject armed with a knife. And when police got there, this uh, emotionally disturbed person who had previously stabbed a number of people uh, was actually awaiting trial on that, um, was in, in the residence. The mother came out and was scared to death. Uh, the officer was able to get her out when the suspect and this is all caught on body cam. Literally leaped out of the out of the house, charging the officer with the knife. The officer tried to create distance and and uh, and and run run away from the 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 uh, knife wielding man. But the, this this in, within seconds, this guy was on the officer, and and the officer opened fire and killed him. Well, I can't imagine a more justifiable shooting. I mean, you hear this, the, and, and it was it was very clear on the, on the videotape. But that didn't stop the protesters. That didn't stop the rioters. There it started all over again, and uh, and once again we we saw we saw uh, violence. We saw the uh, you know the the beginning of peaceful protest that then degenerated into into rioting, looting, burning, etc.
even though this was they and and they came out very quickly and showed the 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 body cam video but it didn't it doesn't matter anymore for those who want to riot and loot and steal and and uh, you know commit mayhem like that it doesn't matter what the what the the, the excuse is it's a, it's an excuse well the Lancaster district attorney um, within a relatively short period of time came out and uh, very very clearly said that there is quote no question that the officer involved shooting was justified and she came out she did not mince any words she came out publicly and this is not something that you see very often uh, but she had the the courage to do the right thing say exactly what was on her mind that this was a clearly justified shooting which of course it was now will that make any difference to those who are bent on hating the police and bent on on violence no of course not but it certainly uh it, it, it does my heart good to see a, a district attorney have the guts to come out and do the right thing and and while we're talking about the war on cops nypd who you know has been it was lost i think 500 officers in the last month of retirements because of the the situation over there um now someone um, well, mechanics discovered that uh, when, when a police officer lost his brakes um, and, and the car was damaged, it was done intentionally. Yeah, someone actually went through all of the trouble to cut the brake lines of a New York City police car. Now, of course, that could have wound up in in the officer being killed and innocent people being killed but that shows you the 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 depths that people will um who are who are bent on de destruction will go to the lengths that they will go to in order to attack and and um, hurt law enforcement officers that's pretty insidious when you see when you see somebody that's that's willing to actually uh, make the efforts to cut the brake lines of a police car. That's pretty. Uh, that's pretty telling. So once again, these officers, every single day across America, um, are facing danger uh, every single moment that they are on duty, and unfortunately, now even when they are off duty, as we have seen a major spike in peace peace officers being targeted off-duty at their homes and their families as well so lots happening um, you know this is uh, this is uh, unfortunately as we as we get up to the election time um, I think it's just gonna get worse and not better let's hope that uh, that we see some calm after this election. Mm, I'm not counting on it. I know we were a little disappointed because we've had to push back the Brothers in Blue Bash for a few months because of the COVID insanity. Now, on October 17th, we are still going to have a virtual Brothers in Blue Bash, kind of like a tease, and we're going to uh, raise some money. We're going to have 
some tremendous auction items. So uh, uh, stay listening to uh, this and go to the Facebook page, Brothers in Blue Bash Las Vegas, and get the information there. Now, March 27th, that is a Saturday night here in Las Vegas. The Brothers in Blue Bash, which is going to be the largest celebration of law enforcement, unity, and pride to benefit the Wounded Blue. It's going to be right here in Las Vegas. Got some tremendous, tremendous entertainment lined up for you. There's going to be a, uh, it's going to be a, an event to remember. Fantastic hotel room uh, prices at the Orleans. Just go to the Brothers in Blue Bash uh, Facebook page, and you can uh, make your um, make your reservations there. You can get a table, you can get seats, you can sponsor all kinds of things. Check it out. Facebook page, Brothers in Blue Bash, Las Vegas. I don't know about you, but if you love coffee, you're going to love Law Dog Coffee. Law Dog Coffee Company. Yes, indeedy. This is amazing coffee. It's been uh, in the family of uh, uh, brewers for 90 years, but this particular brand is, is uh, created just for us. So if you love coffee, you're going to love Law Dog Coffee, especially because not only is it phenomenal coffee, it's, it's uh, uh, roasted in a, in a family-owned roasting company. It's been around for 90 years, and it is delicious, but it also goes to help the, uh, the company, Law Dog Coffee Company, gives a percentage of its income to thewoundedblue.org. In fact, they sponsor the Canine Companion Program for the Wounded Blue. So go to lawdogcoffee.com. It gets delivered directly to your house. It is phenomenal and it tastes so good, it ought to be illegal. Did you know the average person spends 26 years of their life sleeping? The real troubling statistic is that we spend seven years of our life trying to get to sleep, struggling with racing minds, tossing and turning. If you're one of the millions of Americans who need better quality sleep, the time to change is now. Sleep is proven to extend our lifespan, protect against terrible diseases like cancer, heart disease, and dementia, make us more attractive and thinner, feel calmer and happier, and boost energy levels, memory, and performance. Until now, most sleep supplements haven't worked, but a new easy-to-swallow sleep gel invented by the leading nutrition company Healthy Cell is designed to support all four stages of human sleep to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake up refreshed. It's called REM Sleep. To get a free two-night supply of REM sleep, visit HealthyCell.com sleep. That's HealthyCell.com sleep. America's cities and claims of racism in the ranks of law enforcement have spirited a renewed debate on racial equality. It was Alexis de Tocqueville who reminded us, Americans are so enamored of equality, they would rather be equal in slavery than unequal in freedom. To which I say, be warned of the shiny object, America. AmericaOutloud.com is the voice of liberty and justice for all. Well, it's a fight for the soul of humanity. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. 
The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older. Until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa, award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. End of Watch with Randy Sutton. Each week here on Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, we pay our respects to the men and women of the profession who have made the ultimate sacrifice and given their lives in the line of duty. So far this year, 210 law enforcement officers have made that ultimate sacrifice. This week, unfortunately, I have more names to read. The first is Investigator Lemuel Delray Bruce of the Houston Fire Marshal's Office in Texas. Investigator Lemuel Bruce was shot and killed at about 3.30 a.m. while conducting surveillance as part of an ongoing arson investigation in the Timber Grove and Heights areas. He and six other investigators were conducting surveillance following a string of vehicle fires. Investigator Bruce noticed a car matching the description near the intersection of Seamist and West 18th Street, four blocks away from where another vehicle fire had been set just minutes earlier. He was in radio contact with the other investigators and was attempting to coordinate a stop of the vehicle when the man opened fire on him, striking him multiple times. Despite his wounds, Investigator Bruce was able to return fire. The subject committed suicide. Investigator Bruce was a U.S. Marine Corps veteran. He had served with the Houston Fire Department for 16 years, had been assigned to the Houston Fire Marshal's office as a sworn arson investigator for five years. He is survived by his wife, daughter, and son. Investigator Lemuel Delray Bruce, Houston Fire Marshal's office, Texas. End of watch Friday, October 16th, 2020. The next is Major Ricky Groves of the Kennett Police Department in Missouri. Major Ricky Groves died after contracting COVID-19 during a presumed exposure at the Kennett Police Department. Major Groves has served with the Kennett Police for 35 years. He is survived by his five children. Major Ricky A. Groves, Kennett Police Department, Missouri. End of watch, Friday, October 16th, 2020. The next is Detective Kurt Holland of the Commerce City Police Department in Colorado. Detective Kurt Holland was killed when his department vehicle was struck head-on by a drunk driver near the intersection of Colorado 2 and Turnberry Parkway. The drunk driver was traveling southbound on Colorado 2 at a high rate of speed when his pickup truck crossed the center line and struck Detective Holland's vehicle head-on. The pickup truck then struck another car driving behind Detective Holland. Detective Holland and the driver of the second vehicle were both killed in the crash. The drunk driver was seriously injured. Detective Holland served the Commerce City Police Department for four years. Detective Kurt Holland, Commerce City Police Department, Colorado. End of Watch Friday, October 16, 2020. 
The next is Sergeant Harry Cohen of the Riverside County Sheriff's Department in California. Sergeant Harry Cohen suffered a fatal heart attack while participating in training with the canine unit. Sergeant Cohen has served with the Riverside County Sheriff's for 24 years. He is survived by his wife, son, and daughter. Sergeant Harry Cohen, Riverside County Sheriff's Department, California. End of watch, Sunday, October 18th, 2020. The next is Sergeant Harold L. Preston of the Houston Police Department in Texas. Sergeant Harold Preston was shot and killed at about 9.30 a.m. as he and other officers responded to a domestic disturbance at an apartment complex on Holly Hall Street. Police were called to the scene by a woman who had been locked out of her apartment by her estranged husband who was attempting to retrieve belongings. Other officers had been to the apartment two additional times in the preceding days for domestic disturbance calls. Sergeant Preston and the other officers spoke to the woman for approximately an hour before her 14-year-old son managed to unlock the apartment door and encountered his father holding a gun. The man then opened fire, striking Sergeant Preston numerous times in the head and upper body. The other officer and juvenile were also wounded. The man surrendered approximately one hour later. Sergeant Preston has served with the Houston Police for 41 years was scheduled to retire in the coming weeks. He is survived by his elderly parents whom he cared for. Sergeant Harold L. Preston, Houston Police Department, Texas. End of watch, Tuesday, October 20th, 2020. We also have another. Special Deputy Marshal Anthony Charles McGrew, United States Department of Justice, United States Marshal Service. Special Deputy Marshal Anthony McGrew died after contracting COVID-19 while on duty at the federal courthouse in the Frank M. Scarlett Federal Building in Brunswick, Georgia. Special Deputy Marshal McGrew was a U.S. Navy veteran. He has served with the United States Marshal Service for two years, had previously served with the Kingsland, Georgia Police Department for 11 years. He is survived by his wife, three children, and three grandchildren. Special Deputy Marshal Anthony Charles McGrew United States Department of Justice. End of watch Saturday, August 15th, 2020. And the last name to read this week is Sergeant Conley Jumper of the Greenville County Sheriff's Office in South Carolina. Sergeant Conley Jumper was killed when a suspect attempted to flee uh, during a traffic stop on I-85 near Whitehorse Road. One of the occupants of the vehicle became engaged in a struggle with Sergeant Jumper and a second deputy, during which the vehicle accelerated from the shoulder of the highway and struck a tractor trailer. A third deputy, who was responding as backup, unintentionally struck the vehicle after it collided with the tractor trailer. Sergeant Jumper suffered fatal injuries in the incident. Two other deputies and both suspects sustained non-life-threatening injuries. Sergeant Jumper has served the Greenville County Sheriff's Office for 28 years when he was assigned to the interdiction team. He was posthumously promoted from the rank of Master Deputy to the rank of Sergeant. He is survived by his wife, daughter, and parents. Sergeant Conley Jumper, Greenville County Sheriff's Office, South Carolina. End of watch Tuesday, October 20th, 2020. Each of these law enforcement officers gave their lives in the line of duty protecting the people that they serve. May they rest in peace. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement here on America Out Loud. I always appreciate hearing from you on Facebook at the voice of American law enforcement. You can also tweet me at LT Randy Sutton. And 
If you really want to help law enforcement, go to thewoundedblue.org. That's thewoundedblue.org. This is the organization that helps injured and disabled officers. Of course, we've seen hundreds and hundreds of officers injured in the recent unrest. You can help. Go to thewoundedblue.org. Thank you.